It's episode 92 of the Canes cast, and the web's Michael Smith. You know what? What? You still are covering the playoffs. It's fun to be talking about hockey in North Carolina in June. Yes, and you are doing that with a plum, actually, which is refreshing to see. A plum? A plum. Or a plum. A plum. A plum. Not a plum, not the fruit. <laughs> not the fruit. <laughs> but with a, a skill P- intact. L-O-M. That is usually not detected in most. Hmm. It's a spelling B word. Yes. I know how to spell it, believe it or not. Somebody wrote it on a uh, letter of recommendation for me once, and I'm like, you sure you're writing this about me? So I was never big on the spelling B. A-P-L-O-M-B. Yep. Well, now we can just finish in a tie for first place on the spelling B. Apparently. So. Eight of us can if we want. I'm not good at spelling words or the English language, as those of you. It's There it is. Self-confidence or assurance, especially when uh, in a demanding situation. Mm. That's you. Oh, thank you. Yes. Do you handle yourself with a plum? You're welcome. Thank a- you. A-P-L-O-M-B. Yes. Word of the day. I get to advance. I didn't hear the. I didn't hear the <laughs> ding. Yeah, I would so. always. I would always just stand up and uh, misspell a word and then sit back down. Oh, you and that would be. You would, would take. You would take the knee on purpose. You yeah. didn't want to go through it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have to misspell it on purpose. I would be. <laughs> Anything over six letters, I'm like, yeah, no, we're, yeah. let's just move along to the next it person. Was, it was just not, it's not a good day. Save me the embarrassment. Yeah. I'd rather just, I don't know. I was better at, uh, the we, we had social studies bees. But now there's autocorrect, which upsets me, because autocorrect then takes me to a word that I do not want, nor use, and when you're in today's great haste of firing out a tweet as fast as you can... You're like, all right, no, that's good. I know what I typed. And then you look at it, and you're like, I did not type this sentence. How did this come to be? Yeah. That's why there needs to be an edit button, Twitter. Yeah, well, they tell us uh, there is an edit button. It's called your brain. They yeah. put that tweet out, what, last week or yeah. something. Do better, Twitter. You they, know, they know exactly what they're doing. They're just trolling all yeah. of us. Wow, Twitter, a place where they're trolls? Right. Shocking. <laughs> Next, you're going to tell me somebody's going to be honest that we don't know all of the draft picks that are out there. Yeah. Guilty. But we'll get to we'll get Guilty. to that accordingly. <laughs> Believe it or not, I have been doing some research on that. I have not. Well, you have a playoff run to cover, which involves directly and indirectly the Carolina Hurricanes in Charlotte, where they are now tied at one game apiece for the Calder Cup trophy with the, the Wolves of Chicago, who are not associated with the Blackhawks, but they are the uh, Vegas Golden Knights mm. AHL affiliate. And by the way, they will be getting a brand new Kelly Cup because the Colorado Eagles. Oh, that's in the ECHL. The ECHL. Yeah, I was but the, say, the that Colorado, story was great. The Eagles are now in the AHL and they have the Kelly Cup. Yeah, which is a, a sidebar story I wanted to get to, but we'll get to that now. The Eagles of Colorado have jumped up to the AHL and they have not returned the uh, Calder Cup. I think we have like a live studio audience right now, just taking a look at oh, us. Oh, hi right everybody. Press box, yes. Uh, we are coming from my office, which is the general site here of the Canes cast. But, Michael, fill me in on Chicago and the Calder Cup first round that got very nasty yeah. in the first two games, and in particular some petty stuff done by the Chicago Wolves at the end of the second game. Yeah, the Chicago Wolves, affiliate of the Vegas Golden Knights, they seem to change affiliates quite often. I feel like they've been associated maybe with the Blues or the, the Blackhawks uh, recently, I, you can fact check me on that. I'm sure I'm horrendously wrong. Um, 
But yeah, it's uh, it's it started as a, a chippy series early. These two teams have not faced each other this season, uh, and that's something you find in the AHL just because of the way the schedule set up. Uh, you even, I mean, in the AHL, you have some teams out west in, in California who don't even play the full seventy-six game schedule. So um, it's it's strange the way it's set up. So these two teams have never faced each other. Coming into here, the the Calder Cup Finals, the first two games, so they've been affiliated not with the Chicago Blackhawks at all ever, the Canucks and the Thrashers. Yes, so and the go. Blues. Quick hey. fact check. Credit and the Blues. For you. So you got I that right. Yeah. One for two. That's all that matters right now. Yeah, it would make too in much the, sense. In the Twitter universe, you're the greatest reporter of all time. It would make too much sense for uh, you know a team located in in the suburbs of Chicago, Rosemont, I believe it yes. is, uh, to be affiliated with a team. 30 minutes away. They play in the fabulous Rosemont Horizon, where it's not called that anymore, where uh, I believe WrestleMania 2 was one of the sites. Is it? Oh, who are the Black? Who is the Blackhawks? Uh, Rockford. Rockford, that's right. The Ice Hogs. I was going to say Portland. Yes, but... former Carolina Hurricanes coach Bill Peters coached them. Yeah. Um, so it, it was a, a chippy series, uh, really, right from the get-go. The checkers, I think, came out and might maybe surprised Chicago with how speedy they were. I don't know if you sense a trend here. The Hurricanes, I think, surprised a lot of teams with how quick they were. The checkers, I think, surprised Chicago right off the bat. The first 10 minutes of game one were, were really all Charlotte, and they got that one nothing lead. Chicago pushed back, though tied the game at one uh but charlotte would would answer back with two goals later that period they had a 3-1 lead uh in the second they they ended up uh seeing that disappear over the final 40 minutes of the game charlotte did um they gave up a goal in the last i think it was five seconds of the second period uh there in game one uh and then the wolves get a get a bounce uh in overtime to take game one and really the message coming out of game one was look it's it's one game you know uh it's a best of seven series you're not going to win all four games in one game. It's, it's stuff we've heard uh, from the Hurricanes in this Stanley Cup playoffs. The Checkers weren't displeased with their game. They thought they played a pretty good game. I thought they played a pretty good game. I thought the first 20 minutes was by far their best, mm-hmm. and then I think the Wolves sort of settled into it. But they thought that if they, they cleaned up a few things here and there, uh, that they'd have a good chance to win. And that was really the focus going into the second game, going into game two on, on Sunday, the Checkers uh, looking to avoid uh, losing two straight games uh, for the first time in in about three months. It had, it was mid-February, the last time the Checkers had lost um, two straight games. And again, you notice some parallels here, like the Hurricanes, who in the second half of the season had that penchant for bouncing bouncing back from losses. Uh, you didn't see the team. Uh, you take that 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 loss to Winnipeg here at home, eight uh, one, and then the or eight two, whatever the score was. I don't know. I, I blacked out that night, and then going to Nashville, I blacked out in terms of just blocking it out of my mind. It was eight mind. to one. So you eight know. to one. Okay, I gave the Hurricanes an extra goal, but then being able to park <laughs> that, going to Nashville the next night and scoring a big win on the road. So too have the Checkers been uh, resilient to, to, to bounce back uh, from tough losses like that, and that was especially important in this in this Calder Cup Finals, because the Checkers don't want to be down two nothing headed to Chicago for for three straight games. Uh, it was a big win in Game Two. The Checkers again taking a three one lead, again seeing that three one lead disappear, but this time having the the wherewithal to to find that fourth goal and then clamp down in the third period. They uh, 
the Wolves only had four shots on goal in that third period. That's a big credit to what the Checkers were able to do defensively uh, to stifle any chance at a comeback that Chicago had. Uh, so two very entertaining games in Charlotte. The The atmosphere for both games was electric at, at Bojangles Coliseum. Two of the three biggest crowds that the Checkers have ever had in that building were games one and two. Uh, and now the series shifts to Chicago uh, for games two, th- uh, excuse me, three, four, and five. Um, I don't think either team is going to win three straight games, so I have a feeling uh, the series will be back in Charlotte for at least game six and potentially game seven. But this is going to be one of those series that's going to be a battle because you've got you've got a speedy, young, quick team in the Checkers, and you've got an older, more veteran squad in Chicago. Uh, it's going to be a battle, uh, and I think it's uh, the Checkers have a, a very good chance to win the Calder Cup, I think. Just be, the, the raw talent they have on their team, I think they're the more skilled team, but it's going to be a matter of making sure they keep the Wolves in check. Well, we'll find out what happens, as you said, on the road. And by the way, I don't think that was a pun, <laughs> but if it was, good for you because it was organic and it just went through. Yep. I, I watched game two because I did not make the the trek down to the Queen City Mm -hmm. to watch this or the second Queen City. There's a lot of them that are out there. But I did notice the one thing that the Wolves try to do is, you know, like you say, with a little bit more of a veteran team, they're not afraid to be more physical right? and then let the calls happen what they happen. But I just want to know if you've heard anything else at the recording of this Canes cast that's going to happen to Curtis McKenzie for what he did to Stephen Lorenz at the end of the game because I'm trying to watch it now. The feed that we get, and I think it's great. So anybody who's out there, and if you're a Hurricanes fan and clearly a Checkers fan, we're getting the Chicago Wolves feed. Yes. But at least you're you're able to see the games mm-hmm. you know, without having to go, and, and that'll – be helpful when these games are played in Chicago. So, yes, there's going to be a bias towards the broadcast and how it goes. So, as you know, they're not going to uh, scold Curtis McKenzie all that much. But I went to to try. I'm like, please give me a replay so I can really see what what happened here. What was the explanation from anybody about why Curtis McKenzie was going after Steven Lorenz? I did end up seeing a replay, and I heard what the Chicago announcer said, and it was ludicrous what they were saying, Exactly, obviously. Um, The replay... Uh, Lorenz uh, catches a wolf uh, from behind with a cross check, but it wasn't vicious. I didn't think it was vicious in any manner. Uh, vicious or malicious? Vicious or malicious. Uh, I don't think uh, it was. It was more of a, a shove than anything. Uh, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't straight into the boards. It was sort of. It wasn't parallel to the boards either, but it wasn't uh, the wolf player, and I'm not sure which one it was. He wasn't uh, injured. He he didn't. He popped right back up yeah. from it. Uh, he almost just slid into the boards on his knees. Um, the way I saw it, it was just Lorenz playing hard into the whistle. Now, do you take liberties and and challenge him to a fight? Maybe, but then do you then continue to punch him while he's defenseless on the ground? Absolutely not. And, and Curtis McKenzie should certainly yeah. know better than that. Uh, I don't even think Lorenz had his gloves off. So that that's issue number one. And then once he drags Lorenz to the ground, continuing to punch him two, three, four, five times uh, is just inexcusable. And he was he he received a, a number of penalties for that. I want to say that that one of them is an automatic one game suspension to the next game, uh, and and I don't know if the AHL will handle suspensions beyond that, but it certainly deserves a uh, 
a supplementary discipline look because it was completely uncalled for. It's uh, as Mike Vellucci said, bush league. Yeah, it just simply it's it's bush league. You can't have, and he wears a letter too. I don't know if he's their captain or, or one of their alternate captains, but but he wears a letter, and you can't have. I, I understand what he's trying to do in in protecting his teammate. But there is a line. He's their that, leading goal scorer in the postseason with eight. There's a line that you just can't cross, and he he not only crossed it, he leapt over it and kept going. Uh, so it was, you know, uh, it put a uh, it was a a tough ending to watch on an otherwise uh, really good game for the Checkers. Hope Stephen Lawrence is okay. I mean, he he did skate off under his own power, uh, which was good to see. But he was down for a few minutes uh, after McKenzie was just wailing on them for for no real good reason yeah and and what i hate is that is the takeaway from those two games of the series that Mm -hmm. if you watched oh man you know curtis mckenzie loses his mind on steven lorenz uh what's going to happen to him oh this is not fair where you go from here it's actually been two really good hockey games Mm -hmm. i mean you throw out some of the the over the line physical stuff right it's been two good hockey games And, and again going back to you know the the lorenz hit Look, if I'm the Wolves, am I going to be happy with it? Because if you, from your point of view, it's not necessary at the end of the game. Right, it's that right you're before up the five horn. three. There's yeah. there's frustration that boils over from there. I can see why it got chippy, but you don't have to go to that right. level, especially between these two teams, because now that Mars two really good games to decide the the Calder Cup in the AHL. But this is just great experience for the Carolina Hurricanes and their mm-hmm. players. And how about Mike Volucci with the the roll of the dice to, to go with Dustin Tokarski in, in game number two uh, from Alex Nedeljkovic with a quick turnaround. And you, know, it, you can say it paid off as the, the checkers got the win. But, again, when you see stuff like that, this isn't the NHL where everybody needs to, well, what does this mean and what do you read into it? I just think they wanted to give Tokarski, who's a, a capable goaltender, a chance to play. And you give Alex Nedeljkovic, who gave up the, the game winner in overtime the night before, give him the mental rest of, yeah. of having – I know – if you know competitors and Michael and I are around these guys, I can tell you that for Alex Nedeljkovic, the next thing he wanted to do was get right back in the nets. He didn't want to wait, but this is a good thing, a reset, sit back, watch the game, yeah. and get ready and, for Chicago and in Chicago. And I think going to Tukarski in, in Game 2 was almost predetermined even before the result of Game 1. Yeah. Now, maybe if Ned pitches a shutout or, or, or really has a, a solid game in net, you go back with him. But in the regular season, teams – Oftentimes, you saw the Hurricanes do it every time this year. They used both goaltenders. So, in the most important series uh, of a hockey that you're going to play, why not use the same strategy? Especially when you have a guy yeah. in Tukarski who has not lost a game yet with the Checkers. He's been solid in net. Uh, why not use both goaltenders? And and Volucci was asked about it after the game, and he said, look, you know, we're probably going to go back to net in Game 3 because he is our goalie. He's been yeah. our goalie all season long. Yep. But there's just uh, there's not a lot of reason to, to, to turn back to him after he's played 60-plus uh, minutes in net. Uh, you've got a reliable guy who's won you games before you know you can trust him. You might as well use both goaltenders in that back-to-back situation. Allow Ned to to rest and refresh. It's not an indictment on him at all. If if anything, it's just uh, really solid management of their assets by the Checkers coaching staff. And they also made a switch on on D too from from game one to game two, bringing back in Jesper Selgren, who the Hurricanes uh, picked in last year's draft and and signed recently. Um, 
putting him back in the lineup for game two, and, and he racked up uh, a couple of assists paired with uh, Hayden Fleury on the blue line. Uh, he was he was noticeable in a good way for the checkers. And, and, and Mike Vellucci, that's one thing, too, that – uh, we've seen from from Vellucci and his coaching staff is not shying away from putting yep. these young guys in the lineup. Guys like Jesper Selgren or Stelio Mateos, who scored uh, a big goal yesterday to give the Checkers that 3-1 lead there in the second period. And for all the American Dad fans out there, probably three, uh, every time he does anything, just the song from one of those episodes where somebody says Stelio goes through my mind. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. How does it go? Stelio. There we go. That's a different <laughs> last name, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's so, for you. I don't want copyright infringement from Seth <laughs> MacFarlane. We're big fans. Just So seeing... Uh, but it would be awesome if they could uh, somebody rewrite the song for him for a goal song. Because the checkers pick their own goal song. Or do a voiceover for the Canes cast. You know, whatever. whatever. Hey, Seth MacFarlane, if you're listening. You want to sponsor the Canes cast, you know, reach out to us. Yeah. We're available. We like you. We like Family Guy. Yeah, we're free. American Dad. Uh, I've watched a few episodes of the Oroville. Seems fine. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Uh, so seeing the confidence that Vellucci has uh, in these in these young players, giving them that valuable experience of playing these super super meaningful games yep. is only going to help them in their development because uh, now they know what that level is like. I think game one, really, when you look at it overall, was a huge. Uh, learning experience for this team making its first ever appearance in the Calder Cup Finals. A young team, one of the youngest in the AHL, really learning about what it takes. They had that good first period, but certain things they came off in the second, in the third period, and, and weren't able to find that fourth goal. Even though the same thing happened in the second game, losing that that 3-1 lead, they said, okay, yeah, we've been here before. We know what we now have to do. You take a breath. You get a couple of shifts back under you. You get back to playing your game. And that's when uh, when Marty Nachos was able to find Tomas Yurko uh, open for the one-time goal that uh, ended up being the, the game-deciding goal there late in the second period for the Checkers. So uh, a good weekend uh, at home, even though you know the Wolves probably say it's a good weekend too because yeah, they, they got the split. They got the split they were looking for. But now the series shifts to Chicago where – uh, the Checkers obviously need, uh, obviously need at least one win to bring the series back to Charlotte. Um, they've been very good on the road this postseason. I wouldn't be surprised to see them take two out of three and then maybe come back to Charlotte in game six with a chance to, to claim the Calder Cup. And exactly what you're saying, if you just look at the numbers, Morgan Geeky, who I think is going to be an NHL player, mm-hmm. he stood out to me last year at the at the rookie camp after the draft. He's got, what, seven goals, I think 16 points right now in the playoffs. Marty Nachos is getting valuable experience, valuable playoff experience if you're expecting him to be a contributor for the Carolina Hurricanes. And then you mentioned, you know, Matthäus gets in the, the game. Then some other guys who aren't necessarily rookies to this level, but a Nick Waugh mm-hmm. getting big minutes, and he gets the big deflection on a goal in game two that yep. kind of got the, the checkers off and, and running in that right direction. So. You've got him, Alexi uh, Sarles, doing the things that he does, which is score goals, come up with points when they need him to, and I'm sure he needs a, a little bit of a shot of confidence through a playoff run. So that's yeah. good. And guys that the, the Canes are going to count on. And then some other guys. You know, How about Patrick Brown as a pro? Oh. I don't think we talked enough about him when he was called up in that playoff run to do exactly what he was asked to do, and he filled that role. Uh, to the best of his ability, and maybe even exceeded it, I think, in the minds of everybody who watched. But he was – there were nights where we were watching him going, he's he should get more minutes the way he's playing right yeah. now. Then he goes right back down 
to Charlotte, and some guys could mope or whatever, but he's the captain of that team. He goes down, he scores two big goals, what, in game seven to make sure that the this Checkers team gets to the Calder Cup, mm-hmm. and now he's he's putting up points in the playoffs as well. Yeah, I asked him about you know what what it did for his confidence really to come up here and play games, and he hasn't played a regular season game here in a couple of years. Yeah. For him to be able to come up and play, he, he's certainly been in in the buildings when regular season games are being played, right? But he hasn't dressed, and so then for him to 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 get back in the NHL lineup in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Huge boost to his confidence then going back down and playing in the Calder Cup playoffs, Calder Cup finals, now the biggest stage of... He's a point-per-game player. Four goals, four assists. And he's a huge part of that line with Marty Nechas and Tomas Yurko. He does a lot of the hard work uh, on that line just to to create space for both of those guys to maneuver around in in open ice. And Marty Nechas, any time that... He touched the puck. One thing I noticed over the weekend was if he's dangling through the neutral zone or, or uh, using those those hands that, that we know he has, it brings the crowd to their feet every single time. He's a he's a very exciting player. You can tell that his game is has elevated uh, since the start of the year, and you can tell that he's one of those players that's knocking on the door of not fitting in in the AHL anymore in a good way yeah. like he, he's knocking on the door of becoming that NHL player another guy like Hayden Fleury who is kind of a step above everybody else there in the AHL just in terms of the way he sees the ice the decisions he's making uh he's relied upon in a lot of situations by Volucci and and his staff uh as a uh, you can call him a, a veteran defenseman down there because he is he, down, yeah, yeah in the AHL he is and by the way uh pulling up the stat sheet eight playoff games for Hayden Flurry he's a plus 9 with 6 points eight playoff games for Patrick Brown eight points four goals four assists He's a plus six. I talked to him when he was up here, mm-hmm. and he had – it was the one Islanders game. He had just a whale of a hockey game. And I go, you know, nice game, you know, yesterday, Patrick. And he goes, it's what it's all about. Yeah. And that's that's it. And he's one of those guys you love to have in the organization, and, and you love to see him do well and, and make the most of opportunities. Yeah, he's uh, he's unquestionably the leader of that dressing room. Uh, from from all accounts that I've heard, he's done a great job leading that hockey club. There are a lot of parallels uh, between, and we've talked about sort of the parallels in the playoffs, there are a lot of parallels between that Checkers club uh, and this Hurricanes club this year, just in the way that they've come together as a unit, as a family. Um, uh, they're very tight both on and off the ice. They're, they're well coached. They're well led, both here by Justin Williams and down there by Patrick Brown, uh, both v- very vocal leaders in that way. Um, it's it's been a good year for this organization, yeah. uh, because it illustrates the depth uh, that's present, both in terms of skill and just character quality. Guys, the the Hurricanes have done a good job stockpiling both talent and, and guys who uh, make up a, a good locker room. And and you're seeing the results pay off on the ice with the Hurricanes making the runs to the Eastern Conference Final and now the Checkers three wins away from capturing their first AHL title. So uh, it's been an exciting year for hockey in North Carolina. And if the series shifts back uh, to Charlotte for Game 6 or Game 7, uh, if you have a chance to make it down to Charlotte, definitely do it because – the atmosphere is is incredible. Yeah, and the that barn is, I think, 
the perfect minor league hockey barn. It's like the quintessential. When you think of minor league hockey, you think of a building like that. It's just, it's a, it's a real treat to be able to take in a game in that building. Um, it gets really loud in there. Uh, and Vellucci, uh, anybody I asked really over the weekend about how that fan support has grown, they've said, you know, it's been tr- tremendous all year. Well, they sent the uh, the uh, attendance record for the checkers mm-hmm. for game one. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of a lot of folks uh, interested uh, in coming out and, and seeing the team play, both from, you know, people making the drive from Raleigh and then folks there in Charlotte getting excited about their hometown team. It's been uh, a great year for hockey in North Carolina, and hopefully the Checkers can continue their push. They've got all the right pieces in place. They're skilled. They're well-led. They're well-coached. They've got a great goaltender. Uh, and now it's a matter of, of going on the road and, and finding uh, at least a victory, hopefully two. Uh, and, well, if they get three, then you know that's great too because they, they capture the Calder Cup and, and bring it back to bring it back to Charlotte. But I think it's gonna I, I do think it's gonna be tough for either team to win three straight games in this series. You know whether it's Charlotte and, and obviously that'd be end up being four straight wins yes. for Charlotte. Uh, but it's, I think it's going to be such a closely matched series that it's going to be tough for either team to win three straight games. So I, I would think that, that we see this series series shift back to Charlotte next week. Yeah. I mean, the way that the first two games were played, there's no reason to believe that the checkers can't go and win a game mm-hmm. in Chicago and make that happen and send it back. Just the question is going to be who's got the three, two lead when it comes back to, Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, there's a few other things that are going on in the hockey world that people uh, keep their eye on, and one of them that we're closing in on is the NHL draft what? right now. Uh, it's coming up, right? Oh, end of June, yeah, something like that. Yeah. You're going. To, you're going to Vancouver, so you you enjoy June 21st and 22nd, I believe it is. I believe in you are right. So you enjoy all of that, my my good friend, and uh, it's going to be in Vancouver. It is June 21st through the 22nd in Vancouver. British Columbia. One of my favorite road cities. God's country. It is beautiful there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've never been there in the summer. Well, you're going to enjoy it, that's for sure. I've been to Seattle in the summer, so I assume it'll probably be similar. Also, right now, all the uh, prospects are in western New York in Buffalo at the draft combine. All of the teams and their scouts are there, and more than 100 draft-eligible players where they don't skate. Yeah. They could. They they used to hold. I don't remember the place where they used to have the combine, but they. I guess they didn't have the facilities where they could have a hundred kids on the ice and skate. Buffalo, the, the Harbor Center, the that KeyBank rinks that they have, and the uh, the arena itself, the First Niagara Center, they could do whatever they wanted to as far as skating drills and all that go. But they just don't. It's uh, it's as I like to call the NFL Combine, the Underwear Olympics. It's the exact hmm. same thing. You know, you're wearing the, the, the gym shorts Olympics. That's yeah. the other one you can go with, too. Uh, I believe David Cutcliffe uh, coined that one, the head coach of the Duke Blue Devils. But that's what's going on right now. You find out who can do pull-ups and who can, you know, run the shuttle and all of those fine things that go with it. But you also get to sit down and talk to the prospects, which becomes, for a team like Carolina, in the draft position that they have this year, that becomes valuable. Because what Michael just pointed out here on Kane's cast is the rooms that the Hurricanes are able to build in the culture in those locker rooms, you get to find out what players are about by the answers they give you. So for Carolina, and be it whoever the the evaluators who are going to be there, general manager Don Waddell, or if it's Darren York, uh, whoever will be with him, 
just to sit down and, and talk to you. If you've got it between three or four kids, that interview time becomes very precious for the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, I believe both of those uh, fine gentlemen were there. So uh, Bill Berniston, also the head strength and conditioning coach for the Hurricanes, who I sat down and had lunch with today. Does that count as food discussion, having lunch with uh, with Bill Berniston? Well, if he's there, how did you sit down and have lunch with him today, here? Well, no, he's back today. Oh, He right. was he there. He was there. Correct. Okay, yeah, past tense, was there. No, I thought, yeah, because I'm like, that. what and did you? you know where he went? Gabriel's yeah, As well he should have. Yep. Chicken wings? Yes. Okay, medium. he better have them. He can, he had a medium? Mm-hmm. Okay, he didn't make the mistake of nope. getting them hot like you, and nope. you did not consult me whatsoever on And that. I profusely sweat. I survived, though. They're not that hot. Yeah, they're, well. But they have heat. Yeah. You have to be if used to If you consume it. them quickly, then Yeah, and if hot. you are not used to, like, hot there mm. is. It's a step it's up. It's serious. Yeah. It's a, yeah. <laughs> It'd probably it, be extra hot elsewhere. Yes. It jumps up a notch, yes. if you will. <laughs> yeah. Medium is usually, uh, I have go out with people who aren't from there, and of course, my hometown, and I've been to Gabriel's Gate a bunch of times for wings. And somebody goes, I want hot. And I always caution them, are you sure about that? Uh, I'm like, just get medium. You let me know where we stand after that. Tomorrow we can come back for hot. Yeah. Because I'll go back for those wings every day of the week. I'm sure we'll hear from Bill Bernstein about the fact that I brought up this conversation we had at lunch today. Well, uh, where where Especially considering it was Where did you have lunch? Here at the arena today? Yep. Good. Right down there at the deck, which we're overlooking now. The Buffalo Brothers Zone as it's called here at PNC Arena. Yes. Uh, Doug Bennett, the uh, head athletic trainer, was also there. He celebrated a birthday yesterday. So happy, happy birthday to uh, Doug Bennett. Yeah, 21st, I think, probably. No, he's a little bit older than that. 22. I'm going to go 23. <laughs> okay, 23. But he's he's boyish looking. Happy boyish 23rd birthday, good looks, birthday, as they Doug. like to say. Yeah. So keep those, keep those charms a-going there, Doug. We'll have to have Doug uh, on the podcast soon because – uh, I've got some questions. I, I think some fans would be interested in hearing uh, sort of the behind-the-scenes look at, at how the Hurricanes handle injuries, and, and uh, especially from a prevention standpoint, yeah. how you can get ahead of, of handling some of those uh, potential injuries. And so folks know when Michael brings that up, yes, the Canes have injured players who have had surgeries. Uh, we will – Try to get information on that, but there are certain laws in the United States. Not so sure about Canada, where uh, Canada's lawless people. It is not. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's it's ruled by the code of the West, <laughs> which is well, there's certain laws. <laughs> you know, it's got to be a fair fight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Curtis McKenzie. Can we get a ruling? Well, he's Canadian, mm-hmm. and well, he hit another Canadian. Mm-hmm. Just happened to be in the United States. Yeah. So and now we've got an international crisis. Well, on our is hands. it though? Because it's two Canadians. Yeah. No, now we're being dragged country, into the middle of it. Yeah, that's true. You know, just send them back to Canada. <laughs> Why are we? Never mind. Uh, <laughs> okay. Bad Easy idea. Trump. See, sounds like a sounds like a bad idea, doesn't it? Uh, that being said, and now Bill Bernison's really not listening to us. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes have the 28th overall selection. So back they to do. the draft process and what people are talking about. Folks, the NHL draft, I would love to tell you that there's a science to this, but it's exactly like the Major League Baseball draft, which I believe is today, and people don't even... In the middle of the season. Yeah, it is. It's dumb, but it's what they do. And people are going to sit there. You can say these are the, the number one consensus picks. 
for baseball and hockey, I use these sports because I think they mirror each other when it comes to drafting prospects. Rarely. It does happen, but rarely do you draft anybody past pick 20 and they make the big club their first year. Even even 10. Even five, say even five, maybe. I'm not going to disagree. I mean, rarely they're – it's, yeah, it's such a unique draft in that respect because you look at a draft like the NFL draft where – Basically, all of your picks are expected to to basically make the roster that year. But by the way, the MLB draft is today. Oh, I was right. Here we go. Is it over yet? No, it's. Uh, it they actually are trying to put it on TV and try to make it a big deal, but it's it's not because nobody watches high school baseball in New Jersey to find out who the fifteenth overall pick is going to be. Well, and so that's the other thing about this draft is you're drafting guys out of junior hockey or. Um, uh, they're 18 year olds who who have really yet to to develop and and to be able to properly assess, I think a, a haul from a draft, you need three, four, five seasons to really truly assess what you have in, in these prospects. It, it's it, you you gather as much information as you Seven can. Seven o'clock, by the way. Okay, on MLB Network, I'm assuming. Yes. So, <laughs> plugging the MLB draft for. Hey, anybody. we're all we're all in the whole Bam family. Isn't there a Stanley Cup final game four yeah. tonight. Yeah, I'll be watching that and hoping for a different, be. hoping for a different result. Yeah. Um. Sorry. Anybody it's okay. Who's, no, no. Yeah. Continue. You're talking about, you know. Going oh yeah, down you there. gather all the information that you can, and that's what the Hurricanes uh, scouts do, uh, both in terms of 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 uh, of seeing them in person and, and talking with them and their coaches and. Uh, you know, whoever else might might know of them or know about them, and then also through video. And you gather as much information as you can, and then you try to make uh, the best picks with the information that you have. And that and that's what it boils down to. And you can uh, you can never really know truly what you have until uh, some of these guys really blossom as players, as prospects. And it takes a while to do that because they are so young. Uh, they're just kids. They're just kids right now. And I think. Um, even a guy like Andrei Svechnikov, who, um, you know, was a no-brainer, really, pick at number two, probably would have gone number one in some years. But you might not really truly know what you have until he's been in the league a couple of years. But I think we can already see kind of here what sort of bright future he has right, with to, the Hurricanes. To point out what Michael's been talking about as well, I wish we would have gone back prior to the draft because I think you and I did the, you know, like it, keep it how many players from this year's first round, and when I say this year, 2018, because they were talking about how deep it was, were going to play in the NHL. I think I set the number high. I think I might have mm. said something like 10. Guys who actually got into an NHL game from the first round this year. The number one overall pick, Rasmus Dahlin, played 82. Andrei Svechnikov played 82. Uh, yes, Perry Kutkaniemi for Montreal played 79 games. Brady Kachuk got injured. He played 71 games. Uh, Barrett Hayton for Arizona didn't play at all. He was the fifth overall pick. Sixth overall pick, Philip Zadina played in nine games and then got sent down. Yeah. Uh, then you had Quinn Hughes play for the Vancouver Canucks. He played five games. His brother Jack is going to be, if not the first, the second. It's between him and Capo Caco from Finland, and mm -hmm. both players have, you know, I think New Jersey and the Rangers are thrilled they're going to get either or. Right. Then the eighth and the ninth picks didn't play. The 10th pick, uh, Evan Bouchard, did play for the Edmonton Oilers, seven games. And then you've got to go from the 11th pick to the 22nd pick. Nobody played. 
The Anaheim Ducks, Isaac Lunderstrom played 15 games. So if you do the quick math on that, that is eight players from a possible 31 that played in the first round. And it's really... And the fact that a guy drafted 23rd played was amazing. Yeah. Uh, But it's really those top three, Dalin, Svechnikov, and... Uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. Kot Kinyemi. There you go. Who really uh, made an impact with their clubs. The, the the other players who played a handful of games, I mean, it, it's really too early to assess the true impact of, of what they were able to do. But a, a guy like Svechnikov, you can say, you know, truly was an impact player for the Hurricanes this season. 2017, first round, 12 players have not played a regular season NHL game. I say that because uh, Cal McCarr mm-hmm. played in the postseason this mm-hmm. year after playing in college. Yeah. But uh, he has yet to play a regular season game. So think about that. That's two years ago's draft, and 12 players have yet to see a regular season game. And of the – that would be 19 who played, Michael. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven have only played – have played eight games or less. I would go to ten, but nobody's played nine. Eight games or less of that. Yeah. So – Again, when you talk about the draft, this is a work in progress. This mm-hmm. is you want to move a few years down the road and, and make sure that you get everything set the way that you want it to be set. And when you're drafting 28th, not saying that you can't grab players there because there are players who come out of that pick and turn into really good NHL players, but just do your due diligence now. And a lot of when you're drafting at the back end, a lot of what you do. Depends on everybody in front of you. Does a guy fall? Does a player that you target and nobody else had, you take a flyer on him with the 28th right. pick? Plus the Canes, as we've already chronicled, have three second-round picks yeah. that they can go with and, in this upcoming draft and maybe move up for currency if they right. want, if they see somebody who's there. And with 36 and 37, those are, are so close to 28, too. I think it probably impacts the, the picking strategy a little bit to where um, – if if you see a guy that you want, you know that you have some picks there coming up soon, uh, so you might be able to, to shuffle around a little bit. It gives the Hurricanes a lot of options in terms of what they might do with those picks because if, if they're targeting a guy at 28 who they think might be available early in the second round, they could potentially move out of that 28 spot. They're just, they're, there are a lot of options that the Hurricanes have. I wouldn't be surprised, I know we've mentioned this before, if the team uh, were to move at least one of those picks. Um, but it, it really all depends on, on what the climate is yep. uh, come draft weekend in Vancouver. Yeah, and do people want what's available? Right. <laughs> That's that becomes the the bigger part of this whole deal. Do you want what's there to move up and get somebody? That being said, I have done a little bit of work, not a ton, Michael, uh, looking through some looking through some mock drafts. Well, you've been going to Charlotte, so I've had a little bit more time. Uh, if you look through some mock drafts, who the the Canes are possibly looking at, some of the names that jump out, and you can imagine they're forwards, they're guys who can score, uh, but. Uh, a player like Connor McMichael, who's a center, who stands 5'11", 174. There are a couple of guys who have some you know, size to them. Uh, Brett Leeson, a 6'4", winger, who is playing in Prince Albert right now. Uh, so there are players who the Canes are looking at who could possibly be on their board. Ryan Suzuki, who is a center from Barry, who that just so happened to be the team that Andrei Svechnikov played for last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. He is a guy who is 
predicted to be on the board when the the hurricanes are there but this also goes to a different question that i can ask you and it's a it's a draft philosophy and it's also one of these if you like it you can take it if you don't send it right back do you draft for a need or do you draft for the best player so i will put it to you in these terms we know how good the canes defense is but there are some guys who could fall who are defensemen so you like it you know the drill the canes will draft the best player at 28th regardless of position yep i'll take it I'll take it. I think it's a strategy that the team has used. I think a lot of teams have used. Uh, it's it's the right play regardless because whether it turns out that that player is a player for you uh, in the coming years, or whether you use that as an asset to trade, uh, you know, for something else. It's either way, you're setting yourself up to be successful or, or give your chance to be successful. If you're if you're drafting for uh, a need, you might be in a situation where you're making a reach yep. or um, maybe you're overvaluing somebody just because you're overvaluing that specific position or or need. Uh, so I think in the end, when you put your list together, when the Hurricanes put their list together of top 31 prospects for the first round, it's whoever's going to be left in their list yep. uh, that's at the top of that at 28 is is who they should select. And again, this is an organization that's had players on their list at spots that other organizations haven't. The Marty Nachos pick was one. I mean, you remember, we're going back to it. I don't want to say I got lucky on that, but... Same thing. I was diving into the draft, figuring, okay, who could be here? Who's available? And Marty Nachos's name kept coming up to the forefront. And I just remembered, eh, this could be a name that could be there, and I think the Canes could be interested in. And remember, when it comes to the draft and when it comes to trades and everything else, the motto of this show? Oh, we don't know anything. And they don't tell us anything. Correct. So a lot of it is our, our own bird dogging to try to, to figure these things out. Here... I'm going to, by the way, I don't ever answer my questions when I throw it to you. Mm. But for me, the only time when you have a need and you have to take it is when you have picks one, two, three. And this player, okay, the best defenseman still on the board, but we're okay at defense. We need a winger, and the best winger in the draft is that we'll take the best winger. Yeah. Well, um, that's, that's what I look at it when you talk about need over best player. And I think another situation, too, where need comes into play is in the later rounds when the separation between players in terms of yeah. skill is maybe not so great. In the first round, you're going to have your top your top player who's maybe leaps yep. and bounds ahead of even number twos, then leaps and bounds ahead of three. Like The separation between those players is a bit greater. But as you go on and you're sifting through the you know hundreds and hundreds of players – your evaluation of some, you know, might not be uh, as complete or as uh, you might not have such a firm grasp on, on what they project to be. So at that point, maybe if you have, you know, in a later round, uh, you think, okay, maybe we should uh, take a flyer on a goaltender and, and see what happens because, you know, he's, we don't value him too far away from whoever we have at the, at the top of our uh, master draft list. I think that's a situation where that could come into play but I, overall I think you just you have to go with uh, you have to trust in the process 
that you've committed yourself yep. to for uh, not just the past year, but really the past two or three years. I mean, this uh, the scouting process is, is, is years in the making, watching these kids develop. So you have to trust in that process and trust that the information you've collected is reliable yep. uh, and, and just go uh, with uh, what your list tells you, which is uh, usually yep. the, you pick the best player uh, that you feel is available at that point yeah. in time. And like I said, some of the – and again, if I say names, that doesn't mean – this is who the Canes are looking at. These are just guys who are on the board. A, a player like uh, Jacob Pelletier, who plays in the Quebec Major Junior League, well, he's people are going to hear that and be like, "Oh, he had 89 points last year, great season." But he's also five foot nine and 160 pounds. Mm. So, you know, there are some players that are going to be interesting in in the draft this year, Michael, who are big time producers at the junior level, and they are slight. Yeah. So now you have to roll the dice of do they grow into this role or do they, you know, the way that the league is going speed, 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 can you get them here quick enough where they can be part of it? Uh, sometimes talent just rules the day. But it is funny, and I will always warn everybody this, just because somebody dominated in juniors does not mean they are going to do that when they get to the NHL. You know, even guys who are top ten picks, because you go from playing against guys your age where, you know, you're the bigger stronger guy on the ice to now you're not and you're playing against guys who are 10-year veterans who know how to take care of themselves who know how to play the game the ins the outs everything that comes into it so that's why just caution yourself and if you're the hurricanes what you can do with this draft a million different things you can keep all the picks and keep stocking up the organization or you can trade every pick if there's guys you feel that you can get for like there's the canes are in a, a really good luxury position michael mm -hmm. where whatever they want to do with the picks they can do yeah you can use um, because of the the checkers and how good we're seeing the depth of this organization is right. in in the minors where we're not sitting here going you know where it was six years ago you got to restock the minors well the minors seem to have some players who you can call up right now to be a part of this organization yeah for sure uh you can use uh something called translation factors and i'm sure uh, our analytics department could touch on this uh, further, but no, it, is that from English to French? No, that's English to English. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's just uh, it's it's a way to kind of uh, predict maybe point totals uh, for a player who's coming from one league to the next, and in a way, I think it helps temper expectations a bit um, because you look at as of last year, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League has a translation factor of point two eight four. So whatever point total they got in the QMJHL, they're only going to get 30% of that in their first year in the NHL. So it's, it's a, it's a matter of, uh, uh, tempering expectations somewhat, but also gauging, you know, where a player, uh, where a good season might be for a player. I mean, take Andrei Svechnikov, for example, um, who played in the OHL, yep. uh, last Barry season. Barry Colts. And by last season, I mean 2017-18. He had 72 points in 44 games. Uh, it was a scoring rate of 1.636 points per game. Uh, you multiply you that. You mean he wasn't going to do that in the NHL? Exactly. You, you multiply that by the translation factor of .529, and you get a total of 43 points. Andrei Svechnikov in the 2018-19 season had 37 points. So it's about right on oh. line with that. Six off the pace, yeah, slacker. Well, <laughs> 
20 goals, too. That's they, pretty impressive. Either the formula's flawed or the player is. So that, that just no, helps. It, but it's close. It's a ballpark. That's what it should be. But not enough people look at that or will look at that formula, Michael. Right. They'll see well, you guys see 80 who score. Points, well, yeah. No, you see guys who put up gaudy numbers, mm. like guys who score you know, 150 points. Right. They're not going to do that their rookie year. I mean, the, the outliers of Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews, those guys are, are rarities. Yes, they exist, but there's more. It takes time to become those players before you jump into the pool and you know how to swim with these guys. Right. That's all. Uh, by the way, you tried to dance around it. No, I've got one. Come on! Yep. From who? Uh, thanks to Hockey Mom of Two for oh, submitting yeah, this. Oh, yeah, I saw that today. Yeah, she shoehorned this one in Saving last night. Saving your bacon, buddy. So appreciate that, uh, Carolyn. Don't, don't. Why do you help him? Okay, let's go. She's a loyal, a loyal listener. I yes, don't know why is. I can never say that. Loyal listener? I always end up saying lawyer, lawyer listener. listener. I don't know if she, I don't know if you're a lawyer. Oh, there are lawyer listeners that are out there, too. Okay. I'm sure. Uh, the level of play at these two Calder Cup finals is virtually indistinguishable from a midseason NHL game. Elite skill, skating, and effort. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I might. Maybe I might, even uh, January, February. You're going January, February. I was going to go. Late February, early March? No, nah, I was going to go. I was going to go late November, early December okay. when teams start. Okay, this is what we are kind mm. of getting that kind of game going. Yeah, I mean it's, it, it's so that's I mean that's right there. That's in the wheelhouse, and it's again, really good I watched hockey. game. I watched game two, and it was good hockey. Mm-hmm. And the highlights of game one, I'm just going to do the full transparency that we do here on Kane's Cast. I did not watch game one, but I watched the highlights of it and saw it through that. So whatever snippets you can see, the plays that are being made are good hockey yeah, plays. They're high level plays. I mean they're they're NHL. Guys who have plenty of NHL experience playing in the AHL right now, and and you can see it. You Nick Schilke's shorthanded goal was amazing, but the pass to set it up was the pass was, was tremendous. Yeah, uh, who's um, Queenie for the Wolves? Yeah, Gage Queenie. Gage Queenie, a very hockey name, by the way. Yeah, it is. Did or, he play in the WHL? He probably played in the or, WHL or lacrosse. It's one or the other. He's oh. from he's from Las Vegas. Oh, is he? He is. He is okay. from Las Vegas. He's a hometown uh, boy. But the goal he scored yesterday, I'm on my couch, and even I'm like, "Wow, that's that's a heck of a goal." Yeah, he he had a couple of really nice goals. Uh, he did play in the WHL. Shocking. <laughs> yeah, shocking. <laughs> <laughs> For Prince Albert, and then uh, Kelowna, and then Cam Loops. Oh, Cam Loops. Cam Loops. I added an extra in there. Sorry, uh, Cam Cam Loops. Cam Loops. Is that a Fergie song? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't want to know about anybody's Cam Loops. My lovely lady Cam Loops. <laughs> <laughs> I left it My there. <laughs> and then you all right. So all right, we agree. It's Speaking been, of music. Yes. We saw Hootie and the Blowfish on Friday. We did. It was an excellent concert. And I saw and I saw Paul McCartney on Monday. Me too. So yeah, we have been very, It was a great we've week. We've been of very concerts. musical people. Yeah. So Bill Bernstein, if you like music, stick around. But odds are we're saying goodbye, Bill. <laughs> uh, let's start with Hootie and the Blowfish and uh, Bare Naked Ladies, who were the opener. First off, Mother Nature. 
Yeah, Mother Work Nature. Work with us a little bit, will you? It's an outdoor Seriously. show. I know I pleaded on the podcast last week for rain. I didn't yeah. mean for it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Your fault. <laughs> Thanks, jerk. <laughs> right. Uh, My know. car now needs a severe wash, so any kind of money you wish to give me. Mine's a bit muddy as well. Yeah. Well, you brought the rain. Apparently. So uh, You're you the know, rain king. Mother it's Nature, band, if you're listening... You know. uh, Rain. Well, she evidently is listening to you right. because it came. Please send me the, the winning lottery numbers, Mother Nature. She also brought hail. Did you want that, too? She did bring that. No. Mother Nature does not play the lottery. Well, maybe she knows. Well, she could. She clearly listens. Well, listens to you. <clears throat> and it was, I, just, uh, I remember because I was standing there in the rain thinking, you know, Michael Smith said that uh, there was no rain. And he wanted rain. And now here it is. Way to go. You're a gem. You're a great human being. <laughs> Well, I didn't mean to to be a. Uh, I didn't mean to put that in the universe and then have it. Well, you did actually come to fruition. Don't you know people believe that when you say things, you actually make them happen? But when I say things like, "Hey, everybody, give me fifty five dollars," that's not going to happen. Not somebody's going to come up to you now and hand you fifty five dollars. I'm going to take it. <laughs> you well, yeah. give me, you give me that <laughs> if you money. Like it, take it. <laughs> no, I'm taking it. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, it's one of those ridiculous things. Maybe Bill Berniston should stay for this one. Like, if somebody says a shutout or a no hitter, mm, yeah, or the, yeah, I see, we do not have the power in the universe to make these things happen. No, but what if you bro- need rain, let call us Michael know. Smith <laughs> because it came in full force. Use the hashtag Canescast <laughs> and ask for maybe just weather, maybe. You're like, you're an X-Men. Right. You're the, the male version of Storm. Yeah. You can control the weather. But thankfully, it uh, eventually cooperated with us. And it did. It stopped. And we got to hear uh, an abbreviated set from the ladies, uh, which was very good. And yeah. then Hootie played his full set yep. in uh, the time allotted. <laughs> I like how people say Hootie played his full set, and it's Darius Rucker. The I band. Just, I've the never, band I've, played their full set. I've never, like, nobody in the band is officially Hootie, That's right? That's true. Yeah. No, nobody is Hootie. Nobody is the Blowfish. It's yeah. it's the band. Yes. But, but uh, I had seen the uh, the Bare Naked Ladies, the opening act, mm-hmm. because they're from Toronto, and they are very, as you can tell, very polite and yes. very Canadian. And they... Uh, they played, and I saw them. They do not have their original lead singer anymore, Stephen Page. Mm-hmm. So I saw them at, God, almost a quarter century ago. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Uh, a 19-year-old Mid-90s. lad. Yeah. And they played, and they were awesome. They were a great band, and their lead singer was very dynamic with what he could sing. Uh, for those of you who are not well-versed in their catalog, go back to their older stuff. Uh, Gordon... Maybe You Should Drive, Born on a Pirate Ship. Like, the songs that you would know that kind of got you, If I Had a Million Dollars, he was the original lead singer on it. Stuff like that. Yeah. And they played that song. Sounded yeah, great. Yeah. I did not expect them to sound as good as they did. Yeah. They were great. Mm-hmm. They they were in the abridged time that they had. And then they covered Zeppelin, for God's sake. And that was amazing. Yeah. Got the let out. They played a, they played a, a tight, it was about a 30-minute set. A little bit. I think it was about 35, 40. Which uh, was a little shorter than usual, yeah. but the, they had to work with the uh, the time allotted. Yep. Uh, and shout out uh, to Daryl Weeks, uh, who we who we met in the parking lot. Um, yes, in between the rainstorms, he and his he and his lovely wife. Yes, Nicole. They are great people, and uh, 
Daryl, shout out to you. And he gave a shout out to uh, the Carolina Hurricanes staff because they were just a few cars down from us. Uh, I actually went to, I didn't bring a whole bunch of trash bags. So I went to empty the one thing we were using as a trash bag, walked by and spotted me and said hello. And then they came over and talked to us. Just great people. So yep. thank you. Yep. Thanks for listening. Thanks and, uh, for your support. And uh, hope you enjoyed the concert because uh, we, we very much enjoyed oh, yeah. it. And we made uh, the life of Michael Brown, one of the media relations members of the Carolina Hurricanes. While we were waiting to find out, were the gates opening, were they not opening, Michael and I did an advance scout. By the way, your name has to be Michael to work for the Carolina Hurricanes. So people always ask me, what can I do? Your name has to legally be Michael. It's a qualification. Exactly. That's it. If not, I'm sorry. I cannot help you. Yeah. I think on the, on the, for, for the, the women and uh, ladies and, and people uh, who want to apply uh, from the other side, I believe that every name is okay. But I'm not sure. Yeah, if it's Michelle, probably only helps. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think we have a name quite as dominant as Michael on yeah. the female side here. But Michael Brown and I are walking back, and everybody goes by not their first name because if you do that, so basically I'm the only one who gets Mike more than anybody else. Yeah, probably. But that has now gone the wayside, thanks to Trip Tracy yeah. <laughs> and the nickname that he has given me. Yep. But uh, Michael Smith is Smitty. And now officially, Smitty, it's all yours again. Yeah. So, so sorry, Steve Smith, yes. and not my dad, and not the football exactly. player, but the the former the head former assistant assistant coach. coach there could be only one Smitty, so yeah. he had to go. <laughs> <laughs> you have that power too. What yep. else do, do I need to know? Yep, he knows. Uh, then Michael Sunheim is Sunny. Yes, uh, for the most part, uh, amongst a myriad of nicknames, all fitting. <laughs> Big nervous. Cloudy. Cloudy. <laughs> They're all out there for you. It was cloudy that night. Sand, all of them. They're all there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Brown is Brownie. And, of course, I am now. It is the summer of Brownie, by the way. It is. It's the summer of Brownie. And I am, what do I go by? Well, you go by the rig, yeah. the big rig. Yeah. Well. Or TV's Mike Miniscow. That's, <laughs> that one's, that's that one's grown on me a heck of a lot more. <laughs> yeah. I did not hear that one. Uh, the way I expected to through the uh, through the crowds. It's a, well, it's a lot easier to just yell rig, well, or big rig. So Michael Brown and I went to look at the gates. It wasn't open. He and I were walking back, and a gentleman with a beverage in his hand and had been consuming a lot of beverages as the show. The gates were supposed to open. What I think it's like seven, six. six. I think. Yeah. yeah, and this is now about. Eight o'clock, mm-hmm. and people had gotten there at five. Folks were getting a bit antsy, and amongst, there wasn't us. We couldn't get service in the yeah. parking lot for whatever reason. But, I don't know if it was the crowd or the storms or what, but it was uh, kind of fire yep. festival ish. Ish, yeah. Not a lot of people were well aware of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Some uh, were leaving for although, whatever. Although reason. the the people, I don't know if you got uh, for those of you who purchased your tickets for the show, the folks at uh, Walnut Creek did say here's you know money for a future show hmm. you should have gotten an email for that. i did not get an email for that i'll have to talk to sunny about that yes oh that's who, that's <laughs> right who you bought your tickets yeah. through so anyway walking back this gentleman with a beverage looks up and goes there he is big rig <laughs> to which michael not, brown not at an elevated not level an elevated. just sort of an observational <laughs> just, there he is and he pointed at me the big rig and michael brown thought that was the most hilarious thing ever so much so i had to go uh, wait in line to use a facility and as i heard michael brown tell the story i could hear 
Mike Sunheim and his very distinguishable laugh over everything. <laughs> <laughs> so it was that's uh, those are the memories. And then Hootie was great. Hootie played a Hootie was phenomenal. Hootie played a lot of songs. He did play a lot of twenty one or twenty two songs. And sorry REM fans of this mm. podcast, but they covered Losing My Religion better than what Michael Stipe could play right now. It was excellent. You said it. I said it and I'll stand you by said that it. one. And I thought uh, Darius Rucker, he's 53. He sounds like he did on Crack Review 25 years ago. He sounded amazing. It's a great show. Sounded amazing. It was a great, great show. show. I'm glad, uh, you know, rain finally let up and they opened the gates and everything was fine once we yeah. got in and, and saw the show. Yeah. But I am now slowing down because the next day, I'm not as spry as I used to be. Well, I had to, I got up the next day and drove to Charlotte, yeah. which was a bit tired. You were fine. Yeah. You it was, had it was good. You had a positive ball of energy accompanying you on the ride. I did. Yes, I did. Uh, that's uh, Rachel Silverman, who we work with in Kane's Vision, who I work with because that's everybody asks, "What do I do in the off season?" I work with Kane's Vision. Mm-hmm. She I did do. some great work this weekend in Charlotte, yep. filming uh, all the festivities there at, at Bojangles Coliseum. A lot of fine folks who work for the Checkers too. Uh, so support that team if you can, uh, because it's. It's a fun time down in Charlotte and a, yeah. a really good organization. It really is. And it's, as Michael pointed out, it's good hockey. We pointed out it's good hockey. Mm-hmm. And it also shows you the depth of the Canes organization. Yep. All right. So that's it. I got nothing else to bring to the party. That's we both it. enjoyed Sir Paul, right? Because I think we taped after the McCartney concert, didn't we? Yeah, I think we did talk yeah. about that. He was great. Uh, Hootie was great. Yeah, because Live and Let Die scared you. Yeah, it did. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah we S- talked about Startled that. me a bit. Yeah. There were no pyrotechnics during Hootie's show. No. Well, that's not true. A lot of lightning well, before the show. Yeah, that's, Mother Nature had some pyrotechnics of her own. You need to ask her for anything else because evidently you got her on speed dial right now. Uh, you know, money or lottery numbers. You can only control the weather. Okay, fine. I'm trying to get the money out. Well, then just uh, less humidity really overall during the summer. Maybe some more temperate uh, temperatures like the 70s. You know, I don't want to be too needy here. but Make this San Diego? Yes, if if she could make the weather like Southern California, uh, that'd be great. Thanks in advance. You got it. <laughs> That'll do it. Uh, one more thing: the passing note. You're hearing construction going on. Are we allowed to say what's going on here? Uh, people, people know, know. what's happening, yep. right? People know what's happening. Yeah, new a new scoreboard is coming to PNC Arena. It's going to be amazing. And right now they are taking the old scoreboard apart. So anytime you've been hearing anything There's... like drills or Anything beeping, that's what's been going on behind us. There's a guy walking on one of the old video boards right now, one of the old panels. We saw the uh, PNC Arena signage getting wheeled out earlier. There's the... Are you going to try to take any of this, like his memorabilia? Maybe. What I you feel should like do it... is you should get one of the video boards and have that be your TV. <laughs> right. I was actually kind of thinking of that earlier. It looks small now, but I'm sure, you know, if you went down well, it's in... like anything. We're... Obviously. We are high above the... You know, this guy's standing on it. It's yeah. obviously pretty big because he's... sturdy. It it is sturdy. It's high above the arena floor. Yeah. So the the old board. We could we could take my jeep if you wanted to. Of <laughs> course, it's soiled because somebody wanted it to to rain, and it did on Friday before the show. Um, not naming names, Michael Smith. The old board, as we uh, record now, is is completely gone. It's uh, demoed, and they're all set up to to load the new board in. There's. A few things that have to happen before they bring the board, new board in and, and put it together and everything. But uh, it's going to be ready in time for the, the 2019-20 regular season. And it's going to be very nice. 
a lot bigger than than what we've been used to here in the past. So uh, I'm excited to see uh, what the future holds for for this video board. Uh, just in terms of the in-game experience, when when you look at what the Hurricanes have done over the last few years adding that extra ribbon board on the second level, uh, the lights here uh, this season, and then obviously the projection system, which which Kane's Vision <clears throat> is going to really sink their teeth into this offseason, uh, uh, is really exciting for fans here. So uh, really good things to come for the in-game experience here at PNC Arena. Excited to see this video board um, because this one, uh, you know, it's 10 years old. Now that I think about it, it was installed in, in 09, so it's technology moves quickly, and it's time for something bigger and better and brighter and and bigger. All right. Yes. I think you said it all. Yep. Want to throw bigger in there one more time? Bigger. There you go. That'll do it for this episode, number 92 of the Canes cast for the web's Michael Smith. And TV's Mike Maniscalco. There he is. The web's Michael Smith. Uh, we'll talk to you next Monday. See ya. Thank you.